0: Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. All right, it's a huge sports day, everyone, and it's time for a, a little Holding Court dirtball style as we uh, get ourselves set for the French Open Championships less than one week away now. Of course, we got a huge NBA day on Sunday, Rangers game seven tonight. And, uh, you know, there's very few people that... Uh, or as into tennis as my guest I'm about to have and introduce. And you've heard him before here on Holding Court telling sort of his story. Um, but, you know, there's a couple people, Brad Gilbert being at the top of the list. You know, we, he and I text back and forth often about whatever the hell's going on in tennis. It could be uh, a big tournament. It could be a future, a satellite, college tennis, junior tennis but there's something about my guest today, Mr. Adam Zagoria, who, um, you know, he's, a, he's sort of a tennis insider, but he's not, you know, he's not quite as inside as I am and as Brad Gilbert is. So I love to get my texts when, uh, you know, a tournaments going on from Adam and it happened again this week, watching the, uh, Italian championships in Rome. And, uh, you know, I thought, I got to get Adam on just to talk tennis because you're, you know, Adam, you're a basketball aficionado. You know, everybody who knows you knows that. So do I, especially college who's, but also the NBA. Um, But you, you know, your tennis, you love your tennis. And I respect the fact that you're constantly sending me little missives about what's going on. So welcome. Thank you for doing this on a beautiful Sunday. I know you're probably squeezing this in between I don't know, maybe your own tennis game and lots of great sports to watch on this Sunday. So thank you.
1: Well, Patrick, thanks for having me. And yes, this is an epic sports day. I think there are four game sevens in between the NHL and the NBA. And plus, of course, you had the Italian Open men's and women's finals. So if you're a sports fan, it's a great day to be on the couch or at the games.
0: Well, we were on the couch this morning, both of us, because you were texting me during the Djokovic uh, match. I actually didn't see the entire match of Iga Sviantec, but I didn't need to see it, okay? Because I said, uh, I've been saying for the last couple of months... That nobody, and I mean nobody's gonna stop her at the French Open. And that appears to be more and more the case as she's just dominating. So I did sketch the highlights of the match against Anjabor. It was two and two in the final today. But uh, it's been an unbelievable run for her. And the only thing I'm I'm bummed out about, Adam, because this is the first time we've had. A female player go into a major as this heavy of a favorite okay Ashley Barty was certainly a solid favorite at the Australian Open this year which of course she won Serena you know a number of years ago when uh, she was closer to her prime at Wimbledon but I can't remember where you go into a, a women's major where there is this clear cut of a favorite as there is now with Fiantic what say you?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Patrick. It's incredible what she's done. I mean, 28 straight match wins, five straight tournaments. I think she hasn't lost since, like, February in Dubai. And just the way she, you know, destroyed, uh, you know, Sabalenka on Saturday and easily in straight sets in the semis and then Chabour in the final. I mean, she's just rolling through these people, obviously looking to win another, you know, a second major for her after the French Open in 2020. And you know it's kind of crazy just that you mentioned the the uh, how much of a favorite she is. You know, I consider myself a pretty big tennis fan and you know, if you look at the women's rankings, I think if you ask the average person on the street like, "Hey, can you name the top 5, you know, women's mm-hmm. tennis players in the world?" It's it's crazy like it's hard to keep up. You know, you look at the rankings right now because I'm looking at them. Spontek's 1 Krajikova 2, Paula Bedosa is 3, right. Maria Maria Sakari 4, Kontavit 5. Like, I don't think your average, you know, even hardcore tennis fan would know that. You know, you got names like Naomi Osaka is now 38 in the world. Simona Halep, who everyone knows, has won a, a couple majors, is 19. Serena, who hasn't played in a year, is like 248 in the world. So, you know, the women's game is just so much more volatile than, than the men's rankings.
0: Uh, you are you are one thousand percent correct. And by the way, Krajikova, unless she has another unbelievable run, is going to plummet in the rankings. Okay, because she's at number two, as you said. But if she doesn't have a great run uh, in trying to defend her title, uh, she's going to fall pretty quickly. Bedosa, as you said, very physical player, um, very strong, very athletic. Uh, but I just don't think she has a firepower to stay with Sviantek, who, who to me, I mean, she's like the ultimate jock playing tennis. I mean, she when I first saw her play Adam a couple years ago, I was I was amazed at her the spin of her ball. You know, there's a lot of female players over the years that hit big that can hit hard. Obviously, Serena comes to mind. You know, Azarenka in her prime. You know, big ball strikers. But I've never seen a female player uh, hit. The, with the amount of what we call RPMs, revolutions per minute, on the spin on the shots off both sides. There's been some female players like Sam Stozer from Australia who who snuck through and won a U.S. Open one year, beat Serena in the final, played with a lot of spin, a lot of top on the forehand and the kick serve. But Sviantek does it not only with, this, with the speed of the shot, but the spin off both wings. It's
1: unbelievable to watch. Yeah, that's good stuff. And, you know, when she won that French Open a couple of years ago, it seemed, I don't know what you thought at the time, but it seemed like, hey, wow, this is the next kind of breakout star in women's tennis. She's going to dominate for a while. And then, of course, you know, she didn't follow that up with another major. And, you know, there have been a bunch of women in the women's game in recent years, Patrick, as you know, you know, Bianca Andrescu won won the U.S. Open 2019, looked like she was going to reel off a bunch of majors. Uh, you know, Raducanu looked great in winning the U.S. Open and not dropping a set last fall. And then, These players haven't, uh, you know, backed it up. So it'll be interesting to see if she can, if she can kind of come back around and and now establish herself as the clear cut number one and win, you know, multiple majors this
0: year. Yeah. Good point. I think the difference Adam is uh, with the men and the women is that you, you see a lot of those players you mentioned sort of came out of nowhere to win majors. Like no one was predicting it. And on the men's side, you very rarely see that happen it's more you know the the the, the players that win uh, the majors on the on the men's side tr- typically it takes them a little you know a couple years more so they they're in they're kind of inching along it's like the great nba rivalries you know when the one team keeps losing you know detroit keeps getting knocked off by chicago and then finally they get over the hump or you know those rivalries and i think it yeah. take it 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 there seems like the women can do like radikanu just out of nowhere qualifier she wins the us open even fernandez who she beat in the final you know, good, talented young players. Andrescu, she had the win at the BNP Paribas Open earlier that year, but that was sort of a surprise uh, how, when she went up. And I think that because of that, I think, Adam, they, they struggle with the attention and the transition because they're not used to it. Uh, and, and I think Svantec right. now has gotten used to it. And, and certainly with Barty retiring after the Australian Open, you thought, okay, you know, what's going to happen here? Is anybody going to actually step up? But well, she stepped up in a big, big way.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you make some great points there. You know, also, obviously, injuries have affected some of these people like like Andreescu, who was also, you know, beaten uh, handily in this tournament. But it is it is just weird how, you know, I remember watching Bianca Andreescu. I think a lot of people did at the U.S. Open. You're like, wow, this this is a new, you know, best player in the world. She beat Serena in the finals. She's going to rattle off a bunch, and now she hasn't. Um, you know, probably the attention factor you're pointing out was a big part of that. And, and also she's obviously battled injuries and now we'll have to see here in the next year, two, three years, how Raducanu and, and Layla Fernandez and the younger players, Coco Goff, uh, you know, whether they can build on their success or, you know, or they're going to be one hit wonders.
0: All right. So before we move to the men, just a couple of quickies for you. Um, The number one American woman at the moment, you mentioned Serena. Obviously, her ranking has plummeted. Apparently, she's, I I think, going to take a wild card at Wimbledon. We'll see if that happens. Danielle Collins is the highest ranked American at number nine. Clay is arguably her worst surface, so I don't see her making a big run there. Jessica Pagula's had a great year, arguably the best year of any American thus far. She's at 11, and then the next highest-ranked American is is Coco Gauff. So, you know, similarly to what we've been discussing, Adam, she was one of those players, you know, she didn't win a major, but she broke through at 15 at Wimbledon, you know, a huge splash, ESPN all over it, monster story. I mean, she's done pretty well, but Were your expectations for her to get closer to the top more quickly?
1: Yeah, definitely. Again, I mean, you know, as as a member of the media and and you are also, I think there's a tendency to, you know, we hype up these players. Anytime there's a young talent in any sport, basketball, tennis, it's like, oh, this person is the next uh, it, the next, you know, number one in the world, the next big thing. And there's obviously a lot of pressure and expectations that goes along with that. Um, you know, Coco made her her run at Wimbledon, and she had a little run at the U.S. Open a couple of years ago, but hasn't really had a big breakthrough since then. You know, she's still only 18 years old, right, Patrick? Right. So, yes, uh, a lot of time still for for her and Layla and and Emma to make their runs. But you know, there's also been a lot of these teenagers who have kind of uh, come and gone, and we don't really hear from them again.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's talk about a teenager that we are going to hear from again, (laughs) that which there is no doubt. Okay. And that is the one and only Mr. Carlos Alcaraz. Now, when it comes to putting out articles, okay, Adam has written for the New York times over the years for the star ledger in Jersey, um, for tons of basketball publications, including the basketball times and slam over the years. Uh, but he also writes a column on Forbes.com and, and nobody, and I mean nobody, gets the article out, okay, as quickly as Adam. And and I think sometimes you've got like two different articles written, right? They're ready to go depending on who wins because within like a minute of the match ending, you put it out there, and that's what I love about you and and your dedication to tennis. And I appreciate it as a tennis guy. So you wrote um, this morning. Sunday after the Djokovic win. Djokovic obviously winning the title, beating Tsitsipas today in the final. Tsitsipas made a run after getting bageled in the first set, Uh, had a chance to take it to three, but Novak came from 5-2 down, won it in a tiebreak. So we can talk that. Obviously Djokovic playing his way into form. But as you said in your article, it is Carlos Alcaraz at the moment who is the slight betting favorite, isn't he, Adam, at the French Open. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I, I'll just say that's an old uh, journalist uh, trick that any experienced reporter knows. When you're, you know, when you're at on deadline in a close game, you got to have two stories ready to go, one for the winner and, and one for the loser. Um, but yeah, it is uh, Carlos Alcaraz. They showed you know today during the broadcast, according to the Caesar Sportsbook, is a slight favorite. I think it's uh, plus one seventy five over Novak and Rafa to win the French, and you know I find it you know, fascinating as I'm sure you do. I mean, you know, you can kind of joke that he, he took the week off and he gave somebody else a chance to win a a tournament. this week, (laughs) Right. Right. You know, he didn't, he didn't play in Rome, but uh, you know, he's coming off beating Rafa and Novak last week in Madrid. First guy ever to beat the both of them on the same clay court tournament. And then he just destroyed Alexander Zverev, you know, the number three player in the world uh, in straight sets in the final. So again, we're, we're hyping him up. He's 19 years old. He's the next big thing. Our mutual friend, uh, Steve Klerfeld, who I know, you know, made a good comparison. I think comparing Alvarez to kind of a young Mike Tyson, mm-hmm. obviously different, different sports, but you know, really strong physical, uh, specimens who, you know, poses an imposing threat in their sport. But you know, all that said the guys, I you know, At a major, he tapped out at the U.S. Open last year in the quarters with an injury. We don't really know how he's going to do in best of five in a Grand Slam. Can he really hang with the Novaks and the Rafa's and the Sitsiposas of the world in best of five? You know, and you've already got you know Jim Courier last week, who you know obviously knows the game as well as anyone, said on air that uh, Carlos he had him penciled in to win double digit majors. Mm. You know, the guy hasn't guy hasn't won one major yet, so. It's a lot of hype and, and we'll
0: see. Yeah, we will see. By the way, Steve Klerfeld um, ho- ho- honing the Bronxville tennis team, including my daughter who plays on the team and uh, love love my man, Steve. And of course he teaches some serious courses as well at the school. So, uh, And uh, yeah. you guys love your tennis and that's why I love both of you for a multitude of reasons. But, okay, so listen to this because this is interesting. All right, so Djokovic wins... Uh, Rome. He's going to be the one seed. Medvedev, who's back going to try to, was not going to try to play, he's going to play this week in, in Geneva, uh, his first tournament in a while because of a hernia, minor hernia operation that he had so he's obviously had to deal with that and with the <clears throat> excuse me the Russian uh, Belarusian situation as it relates to Wimbledon, which he did address today by the way in his press conference, saying, you know he's for peace and it's been difficult to watch what's happening and so on and so forth and there are negotiations going on uh, as we speak between the tours and the All England club um, if there's any way to turn this decision around i don 't believe there is myself. I think Wimbledon's made their call. Uh, the interesting part of it, uh, Adam, as you may know, is the ATP, though, they control the computer rankings, you know, so they, they're, they're, they're sort of ace in the hole is they could say, we're not going to award uh, points, computer points to, to Wimbledon and the other tournaments that will go on uh, in the United Kingdom leading up into Wimbledon. That's, that's where these players, uh, at least at the moment, are banned, cannot come and play. So uh, there's a lot of twists ahead in in the political side of the tennis world. Uh, what's your take on that? And then I'll, I'll get back to sort of the rankings and the seedings at the French Open. But I, hear, I want to hear your take on when you heard initially that decision from the All-England Club. What'd you think?
1: Yeah, I, I guess my gut reaction was, you know, they're doing the right thing and you have to take a stand. Um, I mean, I think I, I saw some tweets from Ben Rothenberg and some other people that, uh you know, German players weren't allowed to play, you know, during the Nazi era. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, the All England Club's trying to take a stand and, and saying, look, we we oppose the war and what Putin's doing. And um, by extension, we're going to, you know, that's going to have an impact on players from those countries. Now, that said, you know, I understand that the players themselves had nothing to do with the invasion and the war, and you know, probably have no control over over Putin or you know any impact on what he does, um, but I guess my gut is you know you have to take a stand for what's right and you know I think uh, that's good for them.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And what you guy the guy who uh, uh, who had a serious impact on my thought process on this because my initial reaction when I heard it was, you know, that's not right because it's, as you said, unfair to the individual players. Uh, But my man, Cliff Drysdale, who you mentioned, uh, the German players, well, he's from South Africa originally. And he, of course, has worked with me for ever since I've been at ESPN, which has been 25 years. He's been there a lot longer since ESPN started. And when he was on the tour playing in his early years on the tour, um, he couldn't go to certain countries because he was from South Africa and he kind of right. he sort of convinced me that even though it was hard on the individual players we all agree with that um, that it was a, it was one more sort of tool in the tool shed for the world to use to try to to try to change what's going on in this part of the world and 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 make an impact and a declaration i think wimbledon the all england club uh, they, take, they took it pretty seriously. I think they debated this for months, and I think the idea of them having to hand the trophy to a player from Russia or Russia, which is, by the way, possible with a Sabalenka on the women's side, obviously with Medvedev or, or Rublev on the, on the men's side, I just think that's a risk they didn't uh, want to take. So all right, let's go back to the French because I want to get into this with you before I let you go and get to the hoops game, which I know is uh, underway, Game 7, Celts and Bucks. Zverev will be the three, Medvedev the two seed. Okay, now he had his best run ever last year at the French, but you know most of us don't think he's a legit threat to win it all. Clay is definitely his his least comfortable surface. Zverev at three, okay, I mean he can make a run for sure. He's a good clay court player, uh, but not great. Nadal at four, okay, he's a four seed. Sits past the five seed who arguably is not arguably I mean I I'd put him solidly the fourth favorite after the top 3 and then you've got Alcaraz at 6. Okay, so what that means is that you could have an Alcaraz Djokovic quarterfinal, you could have an Alcaraz Nadal quarterfinal, you could have a Sitsipas Djokovic quarterfinal. Um and so to me Adam, uh, you know, I I don't I think if you if I'm if I got to make a call right now and this is based a little bit on what I've seen the last couple of days with Novak and the injury to Rafa, which is a huge factor. Norm- normally, I would say Nadal's the favorite until somebody you know can get him. At the- I know Djokovic got him um, at the French last year, but to me, he's still the favorite, all things being equal. But I think I'm leaning Djokovic at the moment. Despite the fact that Alcaraz got him in Madrid, a little altitude there, the ball jumping a little bit more, and Novak starting to find his range, I think I'm. I actually searched the um, some of the odds maker sites yesterday, and I think I went to three or four different ones, Adam, and each one had someone different as the favorite, which I found interesting. So now maybe you know the money's kind of coming in maybe more towards Alcaraz, but right now I'm sensing to me. I'm going Djokovic as a slight favorite.
1: You? Yeah, I, I, don't, you know, I don't think you're, you're wrong there based on how he looked this week. I mean, it is fascinating how, you know, it's mid-May and he just won his first tournament of the year, which, you know, normally for Novak, he'd have, you know, multiple titles at this point. But obviously he couldn't play in Australia, couldn't play the Sunshine Swing, um, you know, had some early losses. But he's obviously, you know, rounding into form, you know, looked very good this week um you know I, I you can't go wrong picking him as your favorite i think for alcaraz the key is going to be can he get through you know the first two three maybe four rounds you know relatively quickly in straight sets not spend a long time on court you know even though he's only 19 right. but i think that right. would that would enhance his chances of making a run to the semis or the final if he can dispatch his opponents quickly and obviously, you point out, you know, if you, if you get like a djokovic Alcaraz quarterfinal, that will be fascinating. You know, there's so much history on the line, Patrick, with these guys, as we talk about all the time. Rafa's the all-time leader with 21. you got to think Novak is super motivated now to get to 21. He said today that as long as Rafa plays, you know, he's going to play. So, you know, theoretically, if, if Rafa heals up and, and his foot miraculously is okay and he wins, and he's at 22, and Novak's at 20, mm. and all of a sudden you're like, oh, "I don't know. Maybe Novak doesn't catch him, doesn't catch up, right?"
0: Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, that's, uh, that's what said. That's why missing the Australian for Novak was. Uh was killer, but, you know, Rafa's missed a few because of injury. Obviously, we hope that uh, Mr. Federer can come back and at least compete, you know, whether he can compete again in a major. You know, I think it, the chances are dwindling because of how much time he's missed, but uh, he is Federer and that's just like Serena Serena. You know, if Serena shows up at Wimbledon, who knows? I mean, if you get through a first couple of matches. Uh, interesting. But anyway, uh, Adam, where should people find you? I know it's Adam Zagoria at Twitter. You want to send people to your blog, Zag's blog? Where where do you send most of your fans now? Because I want to send them there.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, I'm on Twitter at Adam Zagoria. I write for Forbes. Uh, There's a lot of basketball content on Zag's blog. I'll be at the NBA Draft Combine in Chicago this week, uh, watching some of the NBA draft prospects. So, you know, it should be a fun uh, spring and summer.
0: And how are, are the uh, gales of Iona looking for next year? Because you were nice enough to take me to lunch with uh, Coach Patino about a year or so ago, which was awesome. So, what's the what's the vibe on next season for this uh, for Iona?
1: Well, I'll just say that's a tough league, right? Because it's yeah. a one bid league. Um, you know, obviously the story of the NCAA tournament was another team out of the MAC, not Iona, uh, St. Peter's out of Jersey City. Uh, which
0: you were were all over by the way you were all over that story you had a huge piece in the times about that
1: yeah i mean that was a terrific story and shaheen holloway coached them and obviously now he's a Seton hall coach and he's trying to rebuild the Seton hall roster you know i think as long as uh rick patino and iona are in the mac he'll he'll be the favorite but i know from talking to him that that's uh you know that's a tough gig because if you don't win the mm. conference tournament, you, you you don't make the NCA tournament.
0: Yeah, it's tough to get that bit,
1: that uh,
0: that extra bit. All right, um, who do you like uh, today? In the because by the time I put this out, it'll probably be Monday. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get it out tonight. But uh, Celtics, Bucks. Who do you got? Celtics playing game I mean, seven saw, at home.
1: Yeah, I just saw the stat. The Bucks are one and five in game sevens, and the Celtics are like twenty and two or whatever. So I guess you have to go with the Celtics at home. I mean, I think uh, I'd like to see a Warriors Suns mm, Western yep. Co- Western Conference Final. I think those are, you know, that'll be a lot of fun and, and fascinating to watch. And and then the Heat against either the Celtics or the Bucks will be uh, entertaining.
0: It'll be very entertaining. The last thing I have to say, Adam, is go Rangers. Rangers tonight, Game Seven against the Penguins from three one down. So we'll see how that. Pans out. Always a pleasure, my man. Adam Zagoria here on Holding Court. He just decided to jump on at the last minute. I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day, and um, you'll be out on those tennis courts very soon. I know that.
1: We got to play some uh, mixed doubles this summer. <laughs> Sounds good.
0: Adam, <laughs> Z- Adam Zagoria here on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.